Well, last week Friday, as part of African Month celebrations, Wamkele Mene, Secretary General of the Africa Continental Free Trade Area, addressed a webinar themed the role of trade and investment promotion in advancing AFC. FTA, well, that's the Africa Free Trade Agreement. One of the issues he highlighted in his address was uh, the fact that African countries trade less with each other than perhaps other parts of the continent. How exactly are we changing that? And have we seen any tangible change or difference being brought on by the Africa Continental Free Trade Area. Uh, Saul Molobi is a CEO and Group Chair of Brand Hill Africa. He's also a Global Marketing Practitioner in Trade and Investment Promotion in Africa. Saul, good morning to you. Thank you for your time this morning. Good morning, Kathy, and good morning to the SAFM listeners. Of course, the development of the the free trade area on the continent came in many ways as as, as an as an acknowledgement of the fact that there isn't as much trade taking place on the continent between different countries as there could be, um, especially when we look at the kind of trade that is done perhaps with other regions of the world. What have we seen in as far as the buy-in that, um, that, that countries have since the signing of this free trade agreement? In fact, um, Africa has done very well, Kathy. Um, if you compare it to Europe, that took 72 years to establish what we call the European Union. So after the Abuja Treaty was signed in 1980 in Nigeria by the African Union uh, to institute what today we call the Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement, uh, the continent took uh, 20 years because initially the agreement was going to be operationalized from the 4th of July in 2020. But unfortunately, with the outbreak of the COVID-19 pandemic, it was then moved to 1 January last year, which means we took only 21 days. So far, uh, we have 54 African Union member states which have already um, signed the agreement. It is only Eritrea, which is outstanding. And out of the 54 member states, as of two weeks ago, we have uh, 43 member states which have ratified it, which means they have already deposited their modalities to implement the agreement. Yes, it is true, uh, intra-African trade was sitting at 18% before the outbreak of the COVID-19 pandemic, which means that uh, in the last two years, it has gone down to less than 15%. Now, the agreement seeks to redress this as our target is, is to increase intra-African trade to 50, 50% by 2024. And it will achieve this by removing up to 90% on uh, tariffs on, on products. And the latest uh, update we got from the Secretary General is that as of the first week of February this year, uh, they had already achieved 87.7% uh, 
of the 90% target, which means we are only left with 2.3. And the 2.3 relates to the negotiations that are still ongoing on particularly the automotive sector. Because if I give you an example why there were delays, is because if you have BMW, Mercedes-Benz, and all these other uh, uh, vehicle brands that are assembled in South Africa or Kenya or Rwanda or Nigeria, do they qualify as made-in-Africa products? So this speaks to the complexities of, of rules of origin in terms of international uh, business practice, where a, a product may be owned by America, but that, that product is produced in China. Now, how do you qualify that? Because it is owned by one country, and yet it is produced in another country. These are the issues that the negotiators are dealing with during the, the first phase of the negotiations. Also, perhaps to say, the negotiations are divided into two. The first phase was looking at, at um, uh, uh, trade in services and products. And as I indicated, we are sitting on 87.7% uh, of tariffs uh, being removed on this product. Mm. And the next phase is now looking at uh, negotiating an agreement on intellectual property, on on how women and, and youth will benefit from the agreement on digital trade. As you know, COVID has catapulted us into adopting digital uh, platforms, particularly your e-commerce. Now they, they are looking at how do we become, as Africa, part of the fourth industrial revolution taking into consideration that we weren't participants in the first three industrial revolutions, but do it in such a way that we are able to contain cybercrime and we are also able to contain illicit outflows of, 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 of funds out of the continent. So yeah. we are doing very well. So uh, I want us to talk about one of the issues that has been raised and it's around the role of supply chain, logistics and transport. Those are currently um, the priority areas that, that that need attention and that need to be streamlined. Let's start with, with the issue of, of logistics, transport. How big a factor is that in actually ensuring that this free trade area becomes successful? And then the fact, corridors and the corridors that, uh, you know, will be identified for the movement of goods. In fact, um, we, we can go back to a few years ago um, when President Beki, President Olusogon of Asanjo and President uh, Bodeplika of Algeria came together to develop what became a SNEPAD. And it identified four main strategic projects uh, that needed to be prioritized. The first one was development of rail and road infrastructure, which will interconnect African countries. Because research was was done in 2018 that showed that if you produce a product now in South Africa, you want to export it to Niger, it will first fly to Paris and back into, into Niger. And by the time it lands, 
then the cost has increased by over 350%, which means as, as African manufacturers and producers, we are losing on the price competitiveness. So for that reason, the, the, the agreement says they will remove tariffs so that you could be able to compete on price with products that are produced outside of the continent. The other one is, um, for instance, if you fly from one African country in, the, in, in West Africa to Central Africa, you have to fly to Europe or to Asia to get your connecting flight back into your neighboring country. So the African uh, Continental Free Trade Agreement seeks to correct that. And that's why we are also improving on port management, that uh, goods shouldn't take as much as they are taking today when they are transported from one country into another. Because if you, you bring in all those efficiencies, that will impact on on lowering of the price. Therefore, those products becoming more accessible to the consumers on the continent. We'll continue the conversation with Saul Molobi in a moment. It's just after 11.30. Your latest headlines. Across South Africa, online and on radio. SAFM, let's talk. The Talking Point with Kathy Motlasana, weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. We continue the conversation on the talking point. We're looking at the Africa continental free trade area. Where are we in the implementation of that particular agreement amongst, you know, increasing trade uh, between countries on the continent? Sol Molobi is a global marketing practitioner in trade and investment and promotion in Africa. So when you look at just the responses that they have been across the continent and you say it's been largely, you know, positive and very well received. Are we seeing this in the way that industry is perhaps also thinking about how to already position itself uh, to to create opportunity, but also to take advantage of, of the opportunity that this free trade area will present? Um. I, I, I'm a bit aggrieved at, at how, as South Africa, we are performing in terms of uh, promoting uh, the agreement across all the stakeholders of uh, our, our society uh, compared to what other African countries are doing. And it's such a pity because as a country, we are supposed to take advantage of the fact that the first secretary general of the Africa continental free trade area happens to be a South African. So we are not doing uh, very, very well. If you look at all the seminars that he has been invited to since last year in South Africa, compared to uh, his engagements with other other countries. But having said that, um, South Africa is the most sophisticated economy on the continent. And for that reason, uh, we should be positioning ourselves as the beneficiation hub of the continent, which means then that we stand to benefit the most, more than even Nigeria, which is the biggest uh, economy on the continent, and more than Egypt, which overtook us last year 
to become the second biggest economy on the continent. We we have a very vibrant uh, manufacturing uh, uh, capacity in this country. Therefore, we should be talking to all the necessary stakeholders to embrace the the the, the, the agreement so that we could be able to benefit maximally out of its operationalization. So we need to do advocacy work. We need to embark on mass education campaigns so that we inform even our our small and medium enterprises, youth and women-owned enterprises to say, here's this opportunity for us um, as Africa so that we could be able to benefit from it. But the other thing is that we also need to educate our consumers um, to to consume made in Africa service and product brands. If you look at the annual brand uh, Africa survey, when it was launched in 2010, 34% of the of the top 100 most admired brands in Africa were African. And you come down to 2021 you'll find that um, the number has come down to 18%, which is a serious indictment against us as African consumers, but beyond that, an indictment against our companies that are not doing enough to to brand their products in such a way that our consumers uh, may cover them. And I suppose so. Sometimes it's about again the, the the negative perceptions that people have around, you know, what is the quality of this good that that I'm getting. And sometimes these are all just, you know, perceptions. It's they they no, it's not actually true that if you're getting a good that is produced in South Africa, it is of a lesser quality than any other good from elsewhere in the world. In fact, that's where marketing comes in and. And it's so said that when the economic crisis hit, uh, then companies will embark on a cost-cutting measure. And once they do that, uh, marketing and communications become the first casualties of, of, of that cost-cutting exercise. And basically, branding is a revenue generator because. Uh, if you were to take example of one beverage that I won't mention, it killed its global competitor in South Africa in 1996. But up until today, it continues to advertise itself on TV, on social media, on all other platforms every day as if it is still competing with their, with their competitor. So our companies, our entrepreneurship know that marketing it's a strategic imperative and it's a revenue generator and they need to invest sufficient resources into brand positioning their products, especially if you want to access foreign, uh, foreign market, uh, markets. Uh, with Africa having been positioned as a dark continent uh, since the 1884-1885 Berlin Conference, it is important that that doesn't translate in international uh, uh, consumers perceiving our products as being of low standard, of low quality. So we need to do a lot to ensure that made in, in Africa, service and product brands 
are regarded as of high standard as products produced in any other continent. All right. Let me thank you so much for your time. Sol Mulobi, CEO and Group Chair of Brand Hill Africa, also a global marketing practitioner there.